Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. He was on here before. Welcome, Father Dan Duplantis. Hey, Amber. What's up? Hey, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you for coming back on. Great to be back. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So today we have an exciting, exciting podcast for you guys. So I've been getting some messages from some younger youth saying that they're struggling to either find youth groups, young adult groups, whatever it might be at their local parish. And they've been asking me how they could start one. So that's basically what this podcast is going to be about today. Sweet. Sounds good. All right. So I guess we're just going to start, you know, just jump right into the questions. Um, So what experience do you have with the youth and the youth groups? So as a cradle Catholic, one of the things I did was uh, I started with youth group probably around middle school age. Um, The parish that I went to growing up, uh, we had a very active youth group for many, many years. Um, And I would say, you know, when we're looking at like the you know, late 90s, early 2000s, when I was like going to vacation Bible school, things like that. Um, I wasn't old enough to be in youth group at that time, but uh, we did have a very large youth group that would put on things like vacation Bible school, and they would go to retreats and things like that. And so the presence of the youth at our parish, even when I was really, really young, um, was was always there. You know, they always were doing something. Um, and so as I got older and got into the, you know, around the middle school age to do like junior high youth and things like that, um, a youth group was something that was always there. And my parents always said they wanted me to, to be involved with youth group. And so um, probably more around eighth grade was when I really started getting involved with like senior high youth, uh, going to things like our diocesan youth rally, the Steubenville conferences, things like that. Um, and so it was always just kind of present there. It was a huge part of my formation growing up. Uh, just in my life of the church, you know, um, it was just kind of one of those things that kept me plugged into the parish Um, and then just gave me opportunities to really broaden my horizons, especially, uh, you know, uh, now as a priest, when I look back on that, you know, my involvement with youth ministry and youth group uh, was something that really helped to propel me towards the priesthood, Um, just with discernment, helping me find resources, getting me plugged in uh, to different organizations and things like that. Uh, So, um, now, kind of on the flip side, as a priest, uh, what's been really cool is that my youth minister from 
my home parish in Bayou Blue is now one of our uh, pastoral associates here um, at the cathedral. Uh, she works in our office. She helps out with, with coordinating different ministries here. And so it's really kind of come full circle that now I get to work with her as a priest. Um, and she was my youth minister growing up. Um, but now as a priest, you know, one of the things we look at with youth ministry is, uh, is how do we get involved with them? You know, how do I now minister to that group that I was once being ministered to with? Um, and so one of the things that I've loved to do uh, just as a seminarian now as a priest uh, is going to conferences with our youth groups. Um, I've been to the National Catholic Youth Conference um, three times, once as a participant when I was in high school, uh, and then twice as a seminarian. And so those trips have always been fantastic um, just to bring our youth somewhere you know, nationally to see like the scale of like, you know, uh, of, of where youth ministry is in our country to, to have the kids see like how many kids are out there like them, you know, trying to figure out their faith who are coming to, to get to know the Lord better. Um, and so I've always loved getting to do things like that. Uh, so that's kind of a snapshot of, of my experience with youth ministry. Um, what's, what's interesting now is, you know, what, I think what we're seeing is, uh, and this will maybe be like a little tie into the you know, next few questions perhaps, but, uh, you know, what we're seeing now, I think, is, um, is youth ministry is definitely changing. Um, it's not what it used to be. I think we have a lot of people, um, and, and kind of maybe something you alluded to in the way you asked that first question uh, in this introduction, um, is the concept of youth group is something that isn't as, uh, as prevalent as it used to be. Um, I think we're seeing less and less parishes actually have something called a youth group. Um, and so we're having to re-engage youth formation uh, in, in different ways than we did before. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with advances in technology, uh, with the fact that a lot of teens nowadays and youth are growing up in a digital age, whereas, you know, Amber, you and I growing up even, we were growing up at the dawn of the digital age, um, but it wasn't quite so prevalent in our younger years where it is now, where kids are growing up from birth uh, with, with technology in their hands. Um, and so I think that's really kind of changed the way we have to re-engage youth ministry. And so I'll kind of leave that with the introduction of that answer. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of set the tone with, uh, this is where we're at. <laughs> no, it totally makes sense. I mean, I'm a part of a adults group right now. And it's awesome because I don't know about you, but whenever they would have those youth groups kind of, and they would literally put the age group from like 12 to 35, it was way too wide of like an age gap. And I'm like, you should have it in groups of like 12 to like 14 and then 15 to 18 and then 20 to like, maybe a little old, like 25, you know, like post-college, middle school, high school, just like those groups, you know? Um, and too many churches I knew just put them all together in one. And I was just like, you can't, you can't do that. Cause then you can't, you know, reach them all because they're all in different states of their life and I'm so thankful for this group that I'm a part of now because it caters to young adults you know it's what we're interested in it's not like um something high schoolers or middle schoolers would be interested in um, we have a little bit more freedom in the activities we want to do and we're in charge of them so um it gives us a little more responsibility as adults so I'm really thankful for the the, the adult group um so when it comes to somebody who maybe doesn't have that, maybe they, they have the situation where one group is just mashed in together or they don't even have a youth group, as you said, some don't even have them. Um, how might someone go about starting a group at their parish? 
Yeah, I, I think one of the first things to do is, is, is to kind of identify those age groups, because uh, that's honestly the first I've really heard of those groups being mashed together. Um, I think that's something that my diocese has done really well, is that we've, we've targeted those age ranges, like you said, um, where we actually had, we've had what we call a junior high faith experience, uh, which was like for middle school and junior high kids. Um, and then starting with like, you know, eighth grade, so about 13, 14 years old, they would enter the senior high youth level up through high school. And then we had a separate young adult ministry. Uh, and that was for individuals, usually, you know, like you said, college, so like 18 to, uh, we'd probably round it at about 35, you know. Um, and so it's a little bit, that age is a little bit wider. Um, and in many ways, you know, you have to identify when you're starting these different groups, um, like what is, like, where are they in life? Because again, they are at different stages, even the difference between junior high and senior high youth. Um, junior high youth, I would really focus just more on general formation, uh, whereas senior high youth, you could probably really start plugging in more intentionally things like vocations and things like that, um, trying to really get them prepared for, uh, for the future that once they leave high school and they're kind of out of the nest of their mom and dad, sometimes what happens is they're out of nest of their home church parish, you know, as, as kids start graduating high school and they kind of go off to different places, you know, our hope is that they stay involved in the church, but what happens is, is you know, they leave the home nest of their home parish. And so how do you kind of um, enter into a new parish if you're somewhere else and things like that? So again, yeah, you have to identify, I think, what your goal is, what direction you want to take um, these groups. Uh, another key uh, element of these things is if you're doing this at the parish level is making sure you get your parish priest involved. Make sure they know that you're starting these groups. Make sure you get their vision um, because ultimately they are responsible as the pastor. Uh, for what happens in these groups. And so you definitely want to get the priest in on setting that vision and setting those goals. Um, and uh, also because what, what tends to happen is the priest will also be uh, kind of your, your means of, of resources at the diocesan level as well. Um, I know the, the way that our diocese kind of sees um, the way that our pastoral center or our chancery works is that our pastoral center tries to, as much as possible, provide resources to the parish. It's not just like the headquarters of the diocese. It's like the, the centralization of resources to be put back into the parish. So if we need, you know, guidance on, you know, I want to start something in my parish, um, the Office of Youth Ministry and Youth Formation at the Pastoral Center will send like a liaison or send a representative, somebody to, like, to kind of guide you um, in starting these programs. You know, what, what resources are available nationally? What's available locally? Uh, what kind of things can we get people trained and ready uh, to start these groups. And that leads me to, you know, another point is, is training. You know, uh, you tend to have a lot of people who like have the vision and have like the, the sense of, I know what I want to do with these groups, uh, but maybe they're not quite prepared yet, you know, um, and finding uh, conferences or, or, or trainings for youth ministry, um, because there are people who are, who are educated and formed to do just that, to form other youth ministers. Um, so that way you kind of have the sense of guidance. You kind of know how to plug in all the resources that that the church provides, you know, knowing different documents as they regard uh, youth ministry, uh, things like that, knowing um, like really just being able to, to take the sacraments. How do you, you know, use the sacraments uh, in youth ministry? So I think training is very important for people who are involved in youth ministry from a leadership perspective. You're always going to have parents volunteering and helping with things like chaperoning and all those things. Uh, but for youth ministry, I think it's really important that we also form the formator. Uh, so that way, when they come to their primary role of forming these youth, um, they've received the formation they need themselves. And I think that's what really kind of sets the foundation for getting these groups going at the parish level.
Okay, very neat. Yeah, I mean, it all makes sense. Because if you think about it, you know, you're, it's not just like an outside of hang, you know, outside of school hangout at your house. It's, there needs to be a purpose behind it. There needs to be a, a vision. Um, what do you think are like some good ideas to keep a youth group going? I know a lot of times we start a youth group, but then people slowly stop coming because of maybe school or they just are like, whatever. How could somebody um, entice people to continue coming? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it depends on the content that's presented in these groups. Um, you know, making sure that you're able to keep the programming engaging um, and informative. You know, if this is, we want this to be something that's not just superficial, you know, not just like, like popular or things like that, but we want it to truly be uh, transformational. And so if, if you make your programs to where your, your teens are, or even like your young adult programs, um, if you make it something that is really transformational, they'll keep coming back. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not so much thinking about, you know, how do we, you know, it's not so much about numbers, but the numbers will come from the fact that you are actually transforming people, bringing them to conversion and things like that. So that kind of has to be the, the central idea behind, you know, programming, what activities you do. Um, and so I think, you know, from there, again, this really all starts with catechesis. I think the goal of any of these formation groups, whether it be junior high, senior high, young adult, um, has to have their basis uh, in good catechesis and, and forming the individual, forming them as a Christian um, based on their state in life. I think if that's the underlying principle for what your programming is, I think that's what's going to drive a successful program. Very nice. Because I know um, sometimes like people are so hyped to go and then it's just, it ends up just being like a free for all, so to speak. Like there's no real structure or, or um, I guess, community like everybody's in their little cliques or their best friends and nobody's branching out and I'm so thankful for this group that I'm a part of because everyone talks to everybody and it's so real it's so refreshing to like know that the females aren't super clicky and if you haven't been raised with them they're going to like butt you out of their group and the guys are not just wife hunting like they're actually looking for lifetime friends and the biggest turnoff in any single young adult group I have ever been in has been the fact that the men corner the women to see if they got a ring on their finger. And it's just so uncomfortable. <laughs> and then yeah. when they think that you do, like, or if yeah. you're taken or something, they're just, they lose interest in you even as like a sister in Christ or a friend. And it's so frustrating because at this group, I have met so many kind gentlemen who just simply want a friendship. And they, you know, and if they are looking for something else, they're straightforward about it. And they will just ask you, they don't corner you or anything. They're like, Hey, do you have somebody? And it's not awkward or weird or weird, excuse me. Um, so what would be some appropriate activities at a youth group? So uh, this is a really wide ranging question because it, it kind of depends on like, you know, I, I think there's, there has to be a good dynamic. And I want to kind of bring this up that you mentioned here um, is I think these activities need to have a balance between utilizing small group and large group um, mm -hmm. because that's the thing too people will especially with youth groups I find or really any of these groups I find especially youth groups um, people will tend to come if they have friends there uh, and so you might have some like little clicks in these groups um, and again you don't want the whole group to be clickish uh, but in a sense um, when it comes to like, you can utilize that. If you have the sense where you have, like you tell that this little group tends to stick together, this little group sticks together. 
um, what happens is you can use that to your advantage as well. And so I think some of the programs you have to do have to be small group based because these people as individuals are going to be willing to go deeper with their friends as opposed to a larger group. And so right. you have to be able to use both. I think that, you know, the most successful retreats I've been to have utilized both um, where there's been large group time and small group time. In fact, with a lot of retreats, um, in fact, we have one going on in my diocese this weekend for young adults. Um, they utilize the concept of family groups. So while they have the large recru- uh, retreat group and they'll have time for large group sharing, um, they'll go to these little breakout sessions with their family group where it's smaller, it's more intimate, and they're more likely to, um, uh, to really kind of uh, go deeper into things like that. And so I think you have to utilize those things. Um, as far as, you know, other like kind of like, just like activities, you know, that, that, that kind of sets the principle, I think, using those two things. Um, good activities, book clubs, I think are great, you know, maybe more for like the, the, the young adult group as opposed to youth group. Um, I've seen book studies become really, really popular. And it doesn't have to be, you know, things specifically like works of the saints, but it could be things like, you know, reading like C.S. Lewis, reading, um, you know, Tolkien, things like that. Books that are kind of like Catholic in principle or, or, or other works that have good values that, that build on the faith. You know, those things can be really good. Bible studies, I think, are always fantastic. You know, if you have like the large group, you know, of your young adult program or things like that, and you have smaller Bible studies uh, is great. You know, again, I think sometimes using uh, the small group model, and I find the small group models becoming more and more popular. Um, so where you have, and when we say small group, we mean somewhere maybe in the ballpark of like, you know, um, you know, four to six, maybe seven people. If you start getting like to eight, you can break that into two small groups where you have four and four. Um, ideally, you want to keep your small groups small, you know, um, very, very small in principle. Uh, so things like that, you know, um, if you have large events, you know, I think uh, having like praise and worship nights is, 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 is great. You know, I think, um, uh, and that's something that may be less popular with youth nowadays and still more popular with the young adults. Cause I feel like our age, our age group kind of came up with, you know, praise and worship nights and things like that, where you had adoration, maybe had someone doing praise and worship music. Um, I think retreats are great, you know, and, 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 you know, again, this has kind of changed with, you know, um, with the digital age and, and getting kids to give up their technology for like a weekend or something. It's like, you know, prying a cell phone out of their hands, you know. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of wisdom to still doing that. You know, if, if you can make a retreat engaging to where, you know, yeah, it's, they're, they're not going to want to give up their technology at the beginning. Um, but hopefully by the end of the retreat, they'll have realized the value of actually retreating. And that's why we call them retreats, um, is retreating from the world and having that space, that time with the Lord. Um, to really intentionally enter into that in a deeper way than you would by, you know, still having the technology, which is, you know, the world still following you into retreat. Um, so I think retreats are still great. You know, again, programming on retreats is very, very important. Um, and just as a, another principle too, is, you know, if you're going to do programming, you're going to have events. Um, the programming is very important. You can't just throw on an event just to have an event. You do have to make sure that, and if, if programming isn't your specialty, like get a team together. This is where oftentimes like your group leaders need to actually be part of a team. Uh, so that way you can kind of use people's gifts and talents. Someone might be good at setting the vision, but might not be good with the details of like of the actual event planning itself. You know, you have some people who might not be, um, you know, who, who might be good at like scheduling the events but might not be as good in like transitioning from one event to another. Uh, and so like having a team together is really important for putting on these events. 
So I know that's kind of a lot to kind of take in. So I'll just kind of leave that with, you know, and we can go into any more details with the questions. No, for sure. And I know for a fact, like some things that have really helped us is right currently we're going through The Chosen at my young adult group. Uh, we're watching one episode of The Chosen every single uh, Sunday. And we, t we play sports in the back, like Frisbee and spike ball and volleyball, you know, we engage in that stuff and there's always snacks and pizza and stuff. But I agree what you said about the retreats. And I think something else that would be really helpful is service projects and things like going to feed my hungry children and helping out as a group and um, just volunteering at soup kitchens and things as a group can really help grow that community in a bonding experience, I feel like. And I love that. Um, and so what are some things to avoid in your experience in a youth group? Um. I think monotony for sure, you know, um, and, and you bring up a good point with things like the sports and like service projects. I think, you know, when you have these groups um, on, on some level, there needs to be bonding sometimes on things other than the faith, like things like the sports, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a lot of times like sports tend to be a good way in, you know, a good like kind of like icebreaker kind of thing. The service projects, getting them out of the actual like parish setting or outside of the home setting, going somewhere else and actually doing ministry, you know. Um, kind of more of the evangelizing aspect. Um, so I think, you know, avoiding a, a one-dimensional program is really important. Um, and so with that, uh, I think also just, you know, uh, this is kind of hard. You know, it, it, it's, I, I find this question, it's not so clear cut. There's always great ideas of things you can do. Things to avoid, I, I find to be sometimes a little bit harder. Um, maybe because there's so many things to avoid that it's kind of hard to kind of bring things concisely. Um, you know, I think when you're, when it comes like to, um, to activities, you know, make sure that the things are safe, you know, make sure you do your research, especially if, like for youth group activities, if you want to do things like field trips or even service projects, um, make sure that they're safe, you know, safe environment is, is something that's huge now um, from the diocesan level down to the parish level, you know, making sure that people are trained. And so um, I think making sure the activities are age appropriate, you know, is one thing, you know, so as you say, you have these different age groups what's appropriate for one age might not be appropriate for another age. Um, and so that's the thing too, is I think, and I would actually say you probably should avoid grouping all these groups into one. I think you really should avoid that. I'll be really honest with you on that. Um, I think you do need to have these groups separate because um, it needs to be more targeted. If you want this to be the most effective and I would say also the most efficient, um, I don't think having the group as one large group for you know 12 to 35, I, I don't think that's actually very efficient. It sounds efficient because you're, you have them as one program, but you lose your, your effectiveness with that. I think there has to be a balance between the efficiency and effectiveness, which I think that applies to just about everything we do in life, the balance between efficiency and effectiveness. Um, and so I think especially though with your, um, with your groups, avoiding that one large group of formation um, that needs to be avoided. Um, Almost it's like a picnic day and like y'all are just getting together for like a parish picnic or something but I, I, yeah that would be fun if you want to do like like a you know like a parish formations group picnic yeah. or something that's fine because that is something that's like family oriented that's something you could have you know everybody kind of come to um so things like that like that's appropriate for all ages you know but for example like you know uh is it really appropriate to bring uh you know uh to bring the whole group to you know, like a, I'm trying to think of something like, like, like kiddish, you know, to like a, like a puppet show. Or something. 
yeah, that'll be good for like maybe the junior high youth, but not for your adult, you know, things like going like to the aquarium, you can still do like, like fun trips. They don't always have to be specifically like retreats or things like that or conferences. You know, I think having just like fun stuff to do uh, is a way to keep your people in, especially your youth. You know, I know we used to at different parishes I've been to uh, as a seminarian, we did like aquarium trips, zoo trips, things like that, you know, museum trips. Those are always important. And there's always ways you can plug in the faith with those trips. You know, I know we've in the past, we've done like for the March for Life, you know, uh, all of our activities have some kind of catechetical informative aspect. So even when we go to like the Holocaust Museum, you know, we have a lot of reflection questions we want the kids to be pondering while they're in the museum. And while that, that's not necessarily fun, the Holocaust Museum is not a fun place. It's an engaging place. You know, it's something that makes you stop and say, wow. And we want to unpack that, you know. So I think that's kind of a model when you're doing activities uh, of things to do. I would say avoid doing activities and not having that reflective aspect. Even if you do fun stuff, you know, avoid doing just the fun stuff without any kind of unpacking or any kind of relating it back to the faith. Everything we do should be integrated with the faith. Um, and so that applies to all of these groups. So avoid events that are lacking integration, I think is another really important principle. I love that. No, that's so important. And I think these days, especially since now we're kind of opening up again since COVID and things, I think people have really, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed like the break for the first few weeks maybe, but then they started really missing their friends and their community. And so why is community important to us? Uh, community is important because that's one of the primary principles of how we were created. You know, you go back to Genesis and, you know, I just finished a slew of weddings this month. Uh, and many of the, the readings they picked were from Genesis talking about it is not good for the man to be alone. Um, we were made for community. And so that has to be a huge part of, of, of any kind of, you know, formation ministry um, because we desire that. It is a natural desire to have community. Um, and so, uh, especially because we cannot, you know, we can't limit ourselves in faith to just me and Jesus. You know, there has to be the sense in which we're also connected and active members of the body of Christ. Um, so that's why community is important, you know. Uh, and, and so, again, utilizing that, that sense of large group, small group, you know, being able to change, you know, being able to share with a larger group to see how, you know, how big the church and how expansive the church actually is but also having that space to have that intimate kind of like support group. Um, and I think with community too, community also keeps us accountable. Um, I think that's one of the most important things with community, uh, having support groups. And not just, you know, in, in these official programs, but just anybody needs to have some support. That's why we have friends, you know, um, that we have these kind of natural support groups um, and maybe we don't use them intentionally to be support groups you know, where I think there has to be some level of accountability with these programs. You know, I think if you build accountability into these programs, um, you, you really kind of decrease the chances that someone's going to become a lost sheep and just completely wander away from the fold. Someone's like looking out for them. Someone is, is, is really intentionally asking them, how are you doing? What, what's going well for you? What's not going well for you? What can I help you with and pray for you for? Um, I think that's why the community aspect is so important with these groups, because it really kind of keeps us plugged into the rest of the body um, and really just kind of stops us from wandering off, stops us from wandering off on our own and being our own person, you know, um, using autonomy in a way that's not helpful and not healthy. Uh, so, yeah, community has got to be important for all of these groups. 
was gonna say like even as an introvert people would never guess that I'm an introvert but like even as an introvert like I was going insane in quarantine and um I didn't really have Catholic friends to begin with because when I came back into my faith that's basically when COVID officially hit like when I actually started taking it seriously um and so suddenly I couldn't go to mass. I couldn't see my friends. I couldn't see my support system that kept me integrated into my faith while still starting out. And eventually um, I kind of just learned how to solo it, but it was so, so difficult. It was one of the biggest struggles of my life trying to be my own accountability partner. And even though I had friends online, it just, it could not compete being able to sit down with somebody and having a cup of coffee and discussing my my you know tendencies and things that I really need corrected on if I, I stray away from the faith and vice versa and just having that accountability partner and having an accountability partner in a group I realize is actually helping me a lot more because in a sense when I do something it doesn't just affect me anymore it also affects multiple other people and it really makes me start to think about my actions before I do something now and it makes me more self-aware so I absolutely love that I love that take on it do you have any other advice for anyone looking to be in a youth group or start one young adult group yeah yeah because a, a lot of this is kind of going back and circling around now you bring up a good point with, especially like with introversion and extroversion um, because I'm an extrovert, you know, um, and I think people tend to think that extroverts always want to be around somebody or large groups and introverts on, on an opposite extreme always want to be alone. And I think for both of us, we show that that's not the case. You know, as an introvert, you still need connection. The thing is for most introverts is you don't like large groups, you know, things like that. You want the more intimate setting, you know, there are times where for me as an extrovert, I'll be honest, I don't like large groups at all. <laughs> Even as an extrovert, I have very high extroversion score on just about any metrics. Um, but even as an extrovert, I prefer, you know, smaller groups. Uh, I do like being around people. You know, that's how I really just, you know, get my energy is by being with friends, hanging out with friends. Um, but there are some times where I really just want to be alone, you know. And I'm the same so, way because at my group too, it's like I I will find like I'm I, I'll go between a bunch of different people. I'll always introduce myself, but I always find myself coming back to the same person or the same three people that I feel the most comfortable with. And um, and so I feel comfortable with everybody there. But there's some people that I'm just more drawn to and I feel safer around that. I, right, it, right. It's a sort of comfort for me. Yeah. And so kind of with that, you know, with this, especially when it comes to like personalities, I do want to give some advice for um, for people who are organizing youth ministry, whether it be events or organizing the group um, is kind of and this is maybe reiterating that sense of don't be one dimensional. Um, don't have a cookie cutter program where you do the same types of activities. Uh, that are catered to one type of person. You know, right. youth ministry is not a one size fits all um, because you look at the gospels and how Jesus worked with people. Jesus met each person where they were. You know, there are times where Jesus engages whole crowds and whole groups, but there's times where he has to engage them on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, and so I think varying up the, the, the activities you do based on who's in your group is important. So if you have, you know, extroverted kids, yeah, retreats and conferences like Steubenville, NCYC, things like that are great. 
you know, but your retreats like where you have like a silent retreat as opposed to like a fun retreat, your silent retreats, maybe your reflective retreats are better for your introverts, you know, um, things like that, you know, not everyone's going to like praise and worship music. So if someone's not big on praise and worship and, and like raising their hands and singing and praying, you know, um, don't pressure them and don't force them into doing that. You know, um, that's the thing. Like, you know, I was when we went to things like Steubenville and NCYT, like I was never the kind of kid to just like put my hands up, close my eyes. And, you know, some people like love doing that. And that's great. I'm not knocking that for me personally. I wasn't comfortable with that kind of prayer. You know, that's not how I like to pray, you know, um, for me, I preferred, especially like with like liturgy, that's how I entered into prayer a lot was like serving mass and things like that. You know, uh, I enjoyed retreats. And so I think you have to cater to those different types of groups. You know, if you're going to bring kids to like a charismatic conference, you might also have kids who might prefer going to something like, you know, an extraordinary form mass, things like mm -hmm. that, you know, finding that kind of balance between different schools of spirituality. You know, if you're going to form these youth, you do need to make sure you yourself are, are formed in different schools of spirituality. So that way you can actually use these as resources so your kids all have a place where they can feel like, okay, this is my spirituality and it makes sense in this context, where you're not trying to have a cookie cutter program to make the same type of youth by the time they leave your group. You do need to vary up um, different types of activities for your different types of people in the group. Uh, just advice for somebody who's maybe looking for a group, you know, um, you know, don't be afraid of friction in the beginning. Don't be afraid of awkwardness and stuff. It's, it's probably going to be there as you get in. Some people find a group and they just, they, they mesh in instantly. Um, if things start slowly like that, you know, give it time. You know, I think we all need that kind of community. I think that's all good. Um, even in the priesthood, you know, we still get together. We have what we call the young priest conclave, which is like all the guys ordained in the last 10 years from my diocese. We get together regularly for socials and just community time, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, give it time, you know, find a group. I think these are really important, um, but like give it some time in case things don't go immediately as you planned, you know, don't give up after the first meeting or the first session or whatever. Um, if things just don't seem to go like you want them to uh, give things some time, because sometimes it takes, it, it takes time to build relationships. Most relationships don't happen overnight. And most relationships don't go deep overnight either. So I think just being able to, you know, as, as Jesus tells Peter, go out into the deep. We're afraid of depth sometimes, but you, we have to sometimes like, you know, swallow the fear, um, exercise the virtue of fortitude and just go for it. Absolutely. I love that. And last two things I'm actually going to throw in is one, try to keep it very um, light and fluffy. Like, Make sure you know that there's no relationships. Like, I, I don't know, personally for me, I feel like if they're a couple, unless they're married or they're already dating outside of the church, that's different. But make sure that they're not clinging to each other. Again, with the whole clicky thing, make sure they're integrating into the community. And if there is dating going on in the group itself after the youth group, same idea though. Just make sure that they're not being, they're, they're being appropriate in the group, you know, and, and they're still you know, doing community and stuff like that. That's super important. And also the last thing I'm going to say is to take suggestions. Maybe somebody has an idea or, or maybe the group in general, you know, there, if you have an event that you're thinking about, get the group together on a night and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about planning these two events. And then you could do like the, the heads up seven up kind of thing where you, everybody goes down and covers their eyes and they could just be like, okay, who wants to go to this event? People raise their hand, who wants to go to this event. Um, cause I think getting the community input is also very important to make sure that you are doing things that they're interested in 
and um, that they're going to be engaged in. Obviously, I wouldn't suggest going to go see an R-rated movie or anything like that as a youth group. Again, the yeah, principle of, of appropriateness for, for any group, you know, yeah. Exactly. But I mean, if they want to go, like you said, if they want to go to an art museum or something, like take that into account and see how you can plan that. Um, if it's appropriate, then absolutely take it into account and take their suggestions. I think um, it's really important to listen to the group as well and what they're craving and needing as a community. Yeah, for sure. If you're the leader of a youth group, that doesn't mean that only your ideas count. And the, and the thing is, you have to also be willing to, to, willing to recognize that if somebody else has the ability to, to facilitate an activity better than you do, and you're the head leader, let them do that. Like, you know, don't let pride get in the way and say, okay, well, because I'm the group leader and I, there's no way I can put this on, or I'm, I'm totally lost and inexperienced to put on this activity. If the person who suggested has the capability to do so, delegate that. There's nothing wrong with delegating things like that. Like be around for sure, you know, make it, make the expectation absolutely clear that, hey, you know, if, yeah, I'm fine with the group doing this, I'm not comfortable with me leading this activity, but if you feel comfortable, you suggest it and you're comfortable doing it, yeah, great, let, let, let's get a plan together, let, let's, let's figure out what we got to do and make it happen, you know, so yeah, I think, you know, and that's just a general principle of leadership is making sure that, you know, you're not the only one coming up with things, use your teammates, use those under you, um, take suggestions and, and, and be willing to delegate, you know, the, the leadership of a particular activity or aspect, um, if you feel like you can't do it, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of discernment that has to go on with these things. Um, prayer always, you know, and maybe just like another general principle, last piece of advice really is, you know, when you're scheduling things, always pray about them. Don't just say, oh, yeah, this sounds like a great idea after you hear it the first time, you know, give things some thoughts and prayer as a team. You know, you should always have a team of, of, of people helping to lead this group. It's not just one individual. You might have one person as like the, 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 the real like over organizer head, the one contact person. Have a team, pray together, make sure that you're, you're correctly discerning, looking at every single aspect of things that you should be doing together. Um, and don't be afraid also, if you feel like things are moving in the wrong direction, to right the ship, you know. Um, and so always be afraid to, to admit mistakes, admit that, okay, maybe this, is, this was good at one point, but it is no longer good now. And don't be afraid to make those changes. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And um, you have a new podcast coming out. So tell my listeners where they can find you on social media again. Yes. So the podcast is called The Karate Priest. Uh, and so it, it's a lot of uh, general Catholic content, uh, teaching things like that. Also some martial arts stuff I throw in there and, and um, that's part of the podcast, you know. So um, that is now available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, things of that nature. We do have a YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook, and the name for all of those things is The Karate Priest. Um, and so you can also email any questions you have to, uh, to me that might be used on my podcast. And the email address is thekaratepriest at gmail.com. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Father Dan, for coming on here and talking about this stuff. I think it was a really fruitful uh, podcast. It has been a pleasure as always. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully it gave you guys some ideas, something to think about, pray about, and hopefully you guys will be able to join a community near you. And with all that being said, I will talk to you guys in the next podcast. Bye guys.
questions or comments about today's episode, email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.